Welcome to the Startup Help Desk, your source for answers to questions about building companies, starting companies, and the meaning of life. We have a whole pile of questions submitted by people just like you who are out there building businesses, dealing with problems, and we have an entire panel of experienced founders, entrepreneurs, and investors who are our goal is to answer your questions, or at least do our best to share our experience with you. All of our panelists are experienced, including myself. My name is Sean Burns. I've been doing this for about 20 years, starting companies like Flurry and Outlier. And I'm joined by some of our illustrious panel, Ash and Nick. Hi, everybody. My name's Ash Rust, and I'm a pre-seed investor based in San Francisco. I mostly invest in B2B companies based in the US, UK, and Canada through my fund called Sterling Road. I've also worked at other VC firms like Trinity Ventures and Bullpen Capital. And before investing, I was an entrepreneur myself, most notably an early employee at social media company Clout, as well as the co-founder and CEO of SendUp. Nowadays, I spend most of my time coaching founders and I've helped more than 1,500 over the years. Nick? Hey, this is Nick Melionis. I'm co-founder and CEO of a startup called Navi. We help people learn innovation skills and bring new ideas to life. I've supported hundreds of founders on their startup quests, and I'm excited to be here. Thanks so much. And we're excited to have you back because for some reason you keep returning. I don't know why that is. <laughs> That's a, I think it's a recurring we have to invite. Keep change the Zoom link, dude. I keep saying <laughs> That's that. You right. got you to gotta amp up the security here if we're going to be right. in the 21st century. It's so true. So we are very excited. Today, all of our questions are about marketing. All the questions submitted by the audience about marketing. So we went out there and found somebody who actually knows what they're talking about, unlike the three of us. And we're lucky to be joined by a very special guest panelist today in Kat Mignolik of Y Combinator. Kat, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Should I do a quick intro? I, hi, yes, everybody. explain I'm... to everybody how you, the mistakes you made along the way to find yourself on this podcast Ooh, today. All right. Well, I've been at uh, YC for almost 10 years now. So I've seen about 3,500 companies go through the program. And, and through that, I met Ash. That was the big mistake. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> Dagger. I, uh, Early. I thought I was going to have someone on my team today. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> So I lead the outreach team at YC. So everything external from video to social media. And my team also helps YC companies launch. So we help thousands, you know, we've helped thousands of YC companies get their first customers, uh, you know, and launch and start, you know, start talking to users. Excellent. And thanks for joining us so that somebody here knows what they're talking about. Finally, it was bound to happen eventually. A stopped clock. So again, all of our questions today are about marketing. So these are all submitted uh, by people just like you. If you have a question you'd like us to answer in a future episode, please let us know. You can find us on our website, thestartuphelpdesk.com, or find us on Twitter as thestartuphd. The more questions we get, the more episodes we can have, and we do love our episodes, so help us out. But let's get to the questions. Our first one's up here. So... This question was submitted by probably a founder. It says, we've been able to start selling our product through my network, uh, but we need to grow faster. How do we scale faster after our first few customers? This is a question every company has. Kat, what do you think? All right. So I think first I would say, uh, don't outsource sales from the start. So I, we, you know, I always recommend that founders do it themselves at the very beginning. And, you know, the best way to, you know, get your first customers is, is you know, probably through your network, which this person seems to already be doing. So, uh, and the best way is, is going to be continuing to get warm intros if you can get them. That's like, you know, you get, you know, you know, when you do a warm intro, it's like, you know, at least, 
ideally 50% will respond versus maybe one out of 10. Um, but really sales is a numbers game. So often I talk to founders and they're like, yeah, we've, you know, we tried to reach out to 10 potential customers and, you know, we haven't really had any luck. Uh, but we really see like, in order to close two customers, it's it's this whole funnel. And so you really have to reach out to say 500 potential customers to get to those like two closed. Um, so I'd say, you know, if you've talked to 10, you know, you've got to add an extra zero to that. Um, and so that's what I would say first. Uh, what do you guys well, how think? Do you, the, this is the question for you, though. 500 is a lot. Um, I think yeah. I have 500 LinkedIn connections, although it might not be that high as people do not like me very much. How do you find those 500 people, though? I, th- I think that's where the marketing comes in. That's definitely more than people that I know. And it's probably more than the people I know know. How do you find those 500 people? Yeah. So what we help companies do at YC is we help them launch across a number of channels. So of course they're launching to the YC network, which is, you know, now 10,000 founders, right? So even launching internally, they have a big network, but we also help them launch on external channels like LinkedIn, for example. Uh, you know, we have folks, we have a YC launch channel, there's Hacker News, there's subreddits, uh, there are, you know, there's Product Hunt, um, and all of those are sort of low lift ways to get to those first potential like hundred touch points that you can you know start reaching out to. Do you recommend cold email for, to get to this number, Kat? Oh, I think you know that's you know we always say if you can get a warm intro, get a warm intro. But if you can't, um, ideally, you know you you perfect that outbound email. Um, you know, and there's there's a lot of you know sort of resources online on how to write a great sales email, but they should be very short, max six to eight sentences. Use clear language. You know, address the problem directly. Like you know, sales. You know, cold emails can work. But it's 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 just a lot harder to get there. That's when you really need to start hitting those, you know, five hundred person numbers. Well, that explains why Barack Obama hasn't joined our podcast yet. My cold emails are not working. <laughs> Ash, <laughs> you gotta, you, gotta you, keep sending them, bud. <laughs> Ash, what's your perspective? I mean, obviously, you work with a lot of companies. How do they reach in that first five hundred number? Yeah, so. I think that if you've got a framework of what's working initially, that's actually a really good place to get started. So my first recommendation from that location is let's write a playbook of what's working and try and make it repeatable. So maybe the worst parts of it, like uh, this outbound sales piece, you can hire other people to bring in. Not necessarily early. I agree with Kat. Don't outsource sales early, but this should be internal people working on a playbook that's already working. Uh, Now, after that, we need to think about how much of our time we're going to spend testing versus doing what's already working. So I like to think about a 75-25 split there. So 75% of your time is spent on the thing that is already producing leads, and then 25% of our time is spent testing new channels. You have to accept that even if you have some beloved channel that you absolutely believe in, most channels will tap out except for referrals. So we have to be ready to try everything. And that means cold emails, conferences, content ads, everything in between, you are probably going to have to try at some point along the way. And by virtue of always being testing a new channel whilst giving yourself the scope to continue to grow from the existing stuff, that gives you the chance to scale over time. That's fair. This is a question I've always wondered. I've never seen two companies that got to that initial 500 number the same way. Is, is there is there a lack of consistency or is my experience just randomized and there are more common playbooks that people are following? 
Well, you know that I push the customer advisory board approach really, really hard. So a lot of my portfolio companies certainly observe that. For those of you that don't know, that means you're going to do cold outreach to people, but you're going to ask them for advice rather than try and push a sale initially, make them feel like they're quote unquote advisors for the company rather than sales leads. That's a very effective way of getting a much higher response rate. And you're still going to need to go through to hundreds of different people, but that is the most common one amongst our portfolio. However, I agree with you, the mechanism that you end up uh, finding as the most efficient is likely to be a combination of factors based on your market and your internal skill sets. In completely unrelated news, the customer advisory board for our podcast is spinning up. So ping us on our website if you want to join that one. Okay, we're in danger of only answering one question and Kat is going to be very disappointed with us. We can't let that happen. Ash, jump in here. What other questions do we have on our our queue for today? All right. Next question. I read a lot about startups using ads to grow fast, but we've never gotten ads to work. Are we doing something wrong or do ads suck? Question mark. Kat, I'm going to lead the way. Yeah. Um, This is a great question because a friend literally just asked me this about a week ago because she read a piece um, from Jennifer Hyman, who was the founder of Rent the Runway, who recently said that performance marketing and growth hacking ruined an entire generation of startups. You know, (laughs) dumb, dumb, dumb. I know. And so she asked me, is this true? Like, is it, you know, um, and, and I will say that, you know, these days ads are, you know, expensive, especially for early stage startups and the channel are noisier than they were maybe 10 years ago. Uh, And so really for our early stage startups, we say, you know, really focus on finding those 10 customers, those 10 people who really love you uh, before you start doing any kind of ads or any kind of testing. And uh, the way to find those first 10 or even 100 customers is likely not going to be ads. Um, It's probably through your network or some of the channels that we mentioned. Um, You know, so... for the very earliest stage startups, I would not recommend ads. Airbnb used ads a lot early on. Is And you're saying that's changed basically versus where we were 10, 12 years ago? I do think it's gotten a lot noisier um, than it was when they were first starting or in 2008 or 2009. And, and so uh, it's hard to compare uh, you know, the world today to, to when Airbnb was coming up. But, um, but yeah, they can work. Uh, when have you guys seen ads work? I'll hop in on this one. So I believe there's two scenarios where you can see ads giving you some leverage. One is just going back to the very early days of your startup when you're looking at the discovery process. If you're just trying to figure out, are we solving a problem where there's some demand to solve it, then putting up a landing page to collect interest and running ads can be an effective way to just Test I do like that out. as a quick way of getting like 50 signups for a hundred bucks. That isn't a right. bad mechanism. That's about the only mm-hmm. time I will like not go nuts if an early stage startup starts talking about ads. I think that's exactly right. And then the other end of the spectrum is you've gotten to a point where you've hit product market fit, let's say. You understand really precisely who your target customer is. You know how to speak to them. You also know where to find them. And it so happens that this target customer spends time on channels where you can advertise to them. That's the other scenario where you can see ads really being this engine of growth. Does that mean threads? That's exactly right. (laughs) uh, That's the first place to start when it comes to that next ad campaign. So ultimately, the theme here is that you need to be able to really have figured something out before you can add some fuel with ads. 
once you do, you can leverage resources from these companies. So Meta's got a team of folks that can help you be able to optimize. Google does as well. So once you've got some scale, you can get some extra support, but it's challenging to get there. There's no doubt about that. Well, there's there's a question about ads, which is it, obviously it won't work for everyone. But here's a question for for y'all, especially Kat, since you see so many companies. There's there's two kinds of ads, right? There's there's Facebook based ads or ads in a game. So if I build a new mobile game, maybe the best place for me to find other mobile game players to use my game is in other mobile games. So I advertise in those games. Or there's kind of Google style intent ads where I'm trying to figure out, okay, if people are searching for this kind of widget and I'm selling that widget, will they find me? So how much does ad effectiveness depend on what I'm selling and where those the people who want to buy it are looking for, you know, things to buy? Yeah, sure. I mean, I, I do think that uh, the success of ads is super dependent on on what type of company you are and and you know, as, as we were saying earlier, like knowing who that target customer is and, and whether they spend the time in that space. So uh, they can be sure if they can be effective, but yeah, early stage, you know, it's not something that I would rec- recommend really spending a ton of money on. Well, absolutely. And to the point, the thing you said there was spending a ton of money on it. If you get to a point where you're saying this might be a channel for growth, then running small incremental tests where you're not spending a bunch of money is an effective way to start figuring out, are we on the right track or is this channel not something that gives us an avenue for growth today? I think that's true. If you're going to do ads, you have to know what your customer value is so that you can make sure whatever you're spending on ads is lower than that. I remember my first company when we launched at Flurry, when we launched our mobile ads network, we had a bunch of customers that knew what their customer value was so well that they, they bought from us with what was essentially an unlimited budget. They were like, we will buy from you as much as you will sell us at this price because we we know we will make, let's say it was X, we know we will make X plus 50 cents off of every customer. So as much of our money as you can spend to buy from you, we're happy to spend it. If you have that kind of mastery of your customer value and you make sure that whatever you're spending is lower than that, you know, it can work really well. It's like anything else. It's just a matter of mathematics at some point. But yeah, in the early stages, you won't know what that value is. And so it's really hard to, to judge. Yeah, it's it makes a lot of sense. Well, and it's not going to save you from emailing people. <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> so true. Uh, especially, but what, Ash, what if nobody likes you? I don't know what to do. Okay, well, we're in danger of only answering two questions. And we have a quota, a clear quota of three questions every episode. The so European Nick, what, Union what quota. Exactly. Nick, Nick, what do we what else do we have on the queue for today? All right, let's get to it. So the third question we got from a founder is the following. When is the right time for me to hire our first marketing person? Sean, do you want to kick things off there? Oh man. Well, so first off, I'll say marketing is a largely, I think, an underappreciated uh function. I think a lot of people think about marketing as being advertising. Whereas for me, marketing is. I bet you're just your saying customer. this because we've got a special guest. That's what's going on here. <laughs> yeah, I am very underrated. Yeah, Thank just you. plume that's up the right, feathers, do right. whatever you want, Sean. <laughs> totally, yeah. <laughs> I'm just marketing to our audience. It's, but I really do think if you think about what marketing is, marketing is understanding your customer and building the messaging and channels to communicate with them. And if you think about marketing that way, I mean, you can be the early marketing person, but I think that at some point, very quickly, you need someone who's going to help be the steward of that as you get distracted doing everything else. So if you are the founder CEO doing sales, 
you're also not going to be focusing on marketing. And at some point that comes back to you. So if you have figured out what your ideal customer looks like, you have a handful of customers, you have an initial message that's taking space, taking up, I would, I would think about bringing on a marketing person, specifically product marketing. So there's lots of kinds of marketing. There's demand gen, there's product marketing, there's brand marketing. But bringing a product marketer early to be that steward of the language and the bridge to your customers, it's really valuable. In some cases, I've seen companies bring them in earlier before they bring in a sales team to make sure the sales team has a support. That's worked well, but probably not before your sales team, but probably soon thereafter. But your mileage may vary. I don't know, Kat, what have you seen? When should you bring in your first marketing person? Yeah, I definitely don't think you need a, a full-time marketing person for launch. Uh, usually, you know, I'd love to see the founders really involved in that, you know, crafting that early messaging, talking to the customers, getting to really know them. Uh, and I think it really depends on the type of company. So, you know, if you're a SaaS company, I, I would say it's more likely that you would, you know, want to have a repeatable sales process and first versus, you know, if you're building a consumer brand company, um, it might be sooner that you bring a marketing person on. Um, so I will always tell people to ask themselves, like, are there multiple marketing challenges that the founders can't handle themselves anymore? And what exactly do you have a sense of what this person is going to work on? Because as you were saying, there's different types of marketers and, and people with different types of skills. That's a good point. Actually, you hear a lot about, you know, transitioning from founder led sales to having a sales team and how hard that is for many companies. You don't hear as much about transitioning from founder-led marketing to having a marketing team. Is that a significant of an inflection point? I wonder. I've never really thought about it, but it seems like it might be where the founder has this, this kind of innate ability to understand the product, to create the messaging. And once you hand it off to somebody else, it's hard. But is that an inflection point or am I just imagining it, the handoff from founder-led marketing to having a marketing team? No, I think I think that sounds right. I think that you want the founders to be very involved in all of that early messaging and branding and, you know, writing the blog post, getting the voice down. And so it, um, you know, Ash mentioned having a, like a sales handbook, I think sort of having a similar thing for marketing and your, and your brand is, is a great thing before you hand it off to a team. That's it. So Nick and Ash, you both started a lot of companies. When did you hire your first marketer? Probably a little bit too late in most cases, actually. I think that um, the person that sticks out in my mind at, at Clout was Megan Berry, who was just absolutely critical to our success way back then in 2010, 2011, when Clout was one of the hottest companies in Silicon Valley. And I think that's a really good example of someone being there to get the messaging right. But at the same time, I find myself advising most of the enterprise sales companies that I work with not to really worry about that. We're going to iterate on a sales email, and that's going to be our messaging strategy uh, for quite a while before uh, perhaps they go out to things like conferences and do content and that kind of thing. I'll add a quick note as well that for us, it's typically been very early in the process. And perhaps that's just a function of hiring based off of talent than being strategically saying it's time for marketing versus sales. Um, and getting some having- Discord subscribers. That's exactly right. <laughs> we all know in crypto land that if you're not uh, not getting your Discord right, then you got to change something. <laughs> I, so, I have definite commitments that in crypto, you don't need marketing because your customers are your owners because they buy the tokens. And so you don't need marketing. You don't need sales. It takes care of itself. It's all good. But in crypto, it's, you don't have any customers, Sean. That's, <laughs> oh, that's, it comes back around again. Ouch. Oh, that's Ouch. good. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Well, before we talk too much about crypto, um, we only have a few minutes left. Let's hit the lightning round. So I'm going to ask you all a few questions. I want each of you, 
Pat, Ash, and Nick in that order to answer. But really fast, 10-second answers to these questions. Are we ready? Let's do okay. it. Stay ready. Yeah. Should I hire marketing or sales first? Kat? Sales. And as I said, depends on the type of company, but uh, likely, likely sales. Ash. Sales all the way. Nick. Optimize for the most talented person available. If it's all the same, then sales. Man, there's danger in agreement. I'm worried about us. We never agree on anything. Okay. (laughs) Second question. Who should be your first sales hire? Kat. Oh, like a specific person? I mean, we, 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 we no, actually don't make up the question. George. So. <laughs> yeah, I was like, you know George? That's great. That's great. You're, you, t- you take this one first, uh, Ash. I think you should hire an SDR first. Get outreach off your plate. Nick? Yeah, completely agree. Someone that can be at the source. Oh, I'm, yeah. I'm in danger of agreeing again. But yeah, that SDR. Okay. Plus George. Fair enough. I, I just, uh, I'll find George, some way to yes. disagree. <laughs> yeah. George. You can't hire George. I'm going to hire George. Yeah. <laughs> How amazing person. would it be? It is a, it's a tough hiring market already. That's right. to come back. <laughs> oh, man. Well, we're out of time. This has been a lot of fun. First off, Kat, thank you very much for putting up with our sense of humor. I mean, joining us today. Thank you. Yeah, thanks so much. Absolute blast. And Ash and Nick, as always, thanks for sharing your knowledge with us. Yeah, thanks for having us. It's good. Yeah, great time. And if you have a question for a future episode, we would love to answer it. So remember, find us on our website, thestartuphelpdesk.com or on Twitter at thestartuphd. We would love to answer your question in a future episode. But for now, the Startup Help Desk is closed. Good luck in building your business.